Happy Mother's Day. And hello to all those that aren't mothers. Today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2. While you're getting there, Mother's Day is one of those days that um, obviously we, we honor mothers and, and what a job it is to, to be a mother. Um, one of those jobs that the majority of what you do um, goes unnoticed. Uh, the majority that you do is taken for granted. Um, and uh, a lot of what you do, people uh, don't see. But I want you to know that, that God sees it. And when I think about the three women in my life, my mother, my daughter, and my wife, I recognize they have some of the same characteristics um, in terms of, of strength, uh, in terms of protection, in terms of, in terms of nurturing. Uh, although those three relationships are very different, uh, even my daughter is protective of me and, and nurturing to me and uh, shows great strength. And, and I, I recognize that as a quality that they possess. Uh, one of the things that uh, my wife says to me often is, uh, I'm your mother. And I say, I have a mother. You're not my mother. And one time we were on a camping trip and I like um, hot sauce and someone brought a bottle of hot sauce, so I took the hot sauce, I'm just reading the label, I never opened it, I handed it back to the person, and a few minutes later, I rubbed my eye. And the pain was so intense that I thought past the pain, and I'm thinking, I just lost my eye. That, that's how much pain I was in. I was in so much pain, and I fell to the floor. There was a lot of people there, and I'm holding my eye. And the first thing I did was cry out for Jesse. You would, you would, you would think it would be Jesus, right? But, but like a child, the first person you call out for is mommy. And I called out to Jesse, and... Uh, you don't put water uh, when you have uh, hot sauce. You have to put milk. So, so they kind of made a cup, and they're pouring milk in my eye. And as soon as I could, you know, stand up and halfway see again, she said, like I told you, I'm your mother. Who'd you call for? <laughs> but... <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. Can we stand for the reading of, of God's word? Uh, Exodus uh, chapter 2, we're going to read uh, from verses 1 uh, down to 10. And the sermon's title is Mother to Moses. And it says, now from the house of Levi went and, now from the house of Levi went and took as a wife, a Levite woman. Oh, now a man, I'm sorry. Like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. 
when she could hide him no longer, she took him. A, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the bank. As his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him, now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. While her young woman walked beside the river, they saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. Father, we thank you for your word. We, we are so amazed, Father, that when we look in your word, it contains so many things for us to understand how to navigate in this life, Lord. It shows us who you are and how you operate, Lord, who your people are to you. We thank you because it shows us how you use your people as you position them in life, Lord. We ask that you would feed us this day, Lord. We need nourishment daily from your word more than we need food and water. We need you, Lord. We need to hear from you, Lord. We need your presence, Lord. We love you, Lord. And we know that you love us. You show us every day. Be glorified, Lord, this day. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. One of uh, the greatest joys in life is to bring a child into the world. Uh, with great anticipation, uh, we have for their future. We have hopes and dreams for them. We, we have an expectancy in the relationship that we're going to have with our children uh, from birth all the way throughout their life. Um, we have grown children, and we still have a very close relationship with them. We have a teenager, and we get along very well with our teenager, which is not always the case. And from they were babies, there's just a bond that parents have with their child and that a mother has um, with their child. The thought of the next generation, of the thought of a legacy, the thought of family history, all of those things kind of go through our minds and a part of our, our thought process and the things that are in our hearts uh, when we uh, raise children and, and when a child first comes about. 
But every situation that you have a child in is different. And what happens when a child is born into a situation that seems hopeless? What, what happens when a child is born into a situation where there seems like uh, there is no promising future? And when we look at this story, we find that that was the situation for Moses' mother. If you, if you know the story in the chapter before, in Exodus chapter 1, uh, the Hebrew people are in Egypt. And they got to Egypt because Joseph was sold as a slave and he became the governor of Egypt. And, and we know the story, there was a, a famine and, and he rose up to prominence and his family even came. And God had situated Joseph there to save the remnant of Israel. So Jacob came with all his children and, and they were there and they started to prosper. And then the story goes that there rose up a king that did not know Joseph. In other words, that king did not know uh, what Joseph had done, even preserving the people of Egypt. He either did not know or he did not care uh, to know. And when that happened and this king did not know uh, Joseph, it says in Exodus uh, chapter 1, starting at verse, at verse 8, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. Least they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from our land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for the pharaohs store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they oppressed, but the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all they work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of them whose name was Shephora and the other one whose name was Puha, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on their birth stools, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives come to them. So God dealt well with the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very strong. 
And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born into the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. One of the things that we need to understand when we're reading these stories and even as we reflect on our, our own life is in every situation, in every story, God knows the beginning from the end. There is never a time when anything is happening and God doesn't know the beginning from the end. Not only that, many of all, everything that happens, God causes to happen. Joseph came as a blessing to Egypt. And now his people were seen as a threat. Why were the Hebrews in Egypt? Genesis 15, 13, and 14 tells us this. The Lord said to Abram, before his name was Abraham, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land. This is after God made a covenant with Abraham and told him, your people will be so great that they'd be unable to count them. But he said, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. I will bring judgment on that nation they serve. And afterwards, they shall come out with great possession. Again, that is a lesson to us. He's telling Abraham, listen, I'm going to make you a great nation. But know this. They're going to be sojourners in a land that they don't possess, and they're going to be treated a certain way, and then I will bring them out. And as I bring them out, they will have great possessions. Sometimes we don't want to go through certain things, but God is always up to something. God was doing something by allowing those people, sending those people into that situation. What he was doing was setting apart a people for himself. God is always doing something in our lives. Another example in God's word that he allows struggles to build. God allows struggles to build. God sent the Hebrews into slavery. He built a people for himself. And then he brought about instruments that he would use to deliver them. So we come to a place in a story where there's an assassination attempt. All the Hebrew boys must die. Because the Egyptians were afraid. They saw these people continually flourish no matter what they did. So there was an assassination attempt. A plot to destroy God's people. Kill every boy. They conspired against them. To do what? To kill their joy. To kill their peace. To kill their prosperity. To kill their potential. 
to kill their hope and to steal their promise. But let me tell you something. No principality, no power, no ruler, no ruler of this present darkness, no spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places, using even the greatest human force available can stop God. They, they cannot stop God, and they cannot stop what God strategically does, especially when he puts his people in place and they answer the call in the face of danger. Ultimately, what's happening here is hope is on the hit list. We're going to steal your promise so you have no hope. God always places guardians to protect his promise. Let's look at these women. First, we look at the midwives. The king said to them, when you serve as a midwife, kill these boys. But the midwives feared the Lord and did not do as the king commanded them, but he let the, they let the male children live. They feared God over the king. That, that's, a, that's a lesson for somebody here because so often we fear man, institutions, situations, over and above even God. These two women feared God over the king. Think about what their job was. Their job was to aid in bringing forth life, not death. So they stood up to power, and God blessed them. And then when we see Jochebed, Moses' mother, she had a recognition when she had Moses. This is a fine child. There's something special about this child. Each one of us say that about our kids, right? So she hid him. She protected him. Why? He represented a promise. He represented hope. She didn't know what that looked like, but even in her own family. So she hid the promise. When she could hide him no further, she had to rely on faith. She built an ark and she put him on the water, the same water that the Hebrew boys were being drowned in. Think about that. She executed faith and she executed ingenuity. She had to let go and she had to trust God. In so many areas of our lives, we have to do that. And then we see Moses' sister, Miriam. She watched over him to see what would happen. And when it comes to a place where Pharaoh's daughter finds this child, she goes and uses her wisdom and her shrewdness. 
I love this part. She goes and says, should I call a nurse from the Hebrew women? And she said, yeah, you go, go ahead and do this. And she brings back her mother, Moses' mother, and says, here she is. And she says, take this child and wean him for me, and I'm going to pay you. <laughs> That's only God that that could happen. So she took the child and she nursed him. And then when we look at Pharaoh's daughter, it said that Pharaoh's daughter took pity when she heard this child cry. She knew it was a Hebrew child. She had compassion. And she took a risk by doing what was right. Doesn't matter that she was in Pharaoh's family. She's disobeying a direct order. She could be killed for that. And it says that when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. The Hebrew boys were to be executed under royal order. Now, God's deliverer is being raised in the royal household. He's being educated there. He's being cared for there. He's being nourished there. Moses, God's promise, is being hidden right out in the open. That is only God. In the midst of genocide, God used these women that were uniquely positioned, who stepped up, when they were called to perform the task that he had to protect his promise. God could have used angels. God could have raised up an army. But no, he used these faithful women. Brothers and sisters, be very careful when you try to fill a role that you haven't been called to. Also, be very careful when God calls you to do something and you not answer that call. We have to be sensitive to God's moving. We have to trust before we see. Matter of fact, that's what trust is. Jochebed, Moses' mother, gave birth to a promise in what seemed to be a people that were forgotten by their God. The midwives let that promise live and trusted God over the fear of men. Miriam, Moses' sister, watched over the promise at his most vulnerable time in troubled water. And Pharaoh's daughter raised the promise as her own. God hid and protected and provided for his promise by placing these women as his guardians. God hid him, meaning Moses, under their protection. And when the hiding was over, Moses was ready to step out publicly in the palace 
in the strength of the Lord, fulfilling his promise to deliver his people. Moses stood there on the courage of the midwives, on the faithfulness of his mother, on the shrewdness of his sister, on the compassion of Pharaoh's daughter. God laid the foundation, and there Moses stood on the attributes of those women. You don't have to be Moses. There would be no Moses if not for the midwives. There would be no Moses if not for his mother, not for his sister, not for Pharaoh's daughter. Don't you dare think for a minute that the things that are going on around you and that you're doing that God doesn't see your service. Don't you think for a minute that God doesn't hear your prayers. Don't you think for a minute that God isn't saving your tears in, the bot- in a bottle? Don't you think he doesn't see your courage, your strength, your faith? What others don't see, he sees. Don't let the pull of the world pull you out of position. You are a guardian of a promise. You are guardians of hope. Hope, the expectation of a favorable future under God's direction. Hope, the expectation that God will fulfill his promises. It is so important for us to walk where God has called us to walk. Even if you think about what was done with these women, it was in step with who God made them to be. When midwives take on a job to be a midwife, it's because they love to see life and help in that process. So it would be totally adverse to who God made them to be to kill a child. It's the the natural way that God built them and what he put in them. When someone is called to be a mother, they're going to protect their child. So even in the midst of genocide going all around them, you're going to say, not my child. No, my child is special. God has a purpose and a plan for my child. And step out in faith and do something so unconventional. I'm going to place this child in this basket. Put him out on the water and trust God that he would do something with it. And then Moses' sister, she didn't know what was going to happen when that basket was going along the water. Imagine what God had to do in her mind and her heart as that basket was picked up and she sees it being picked up by someone from Pharaoh's household. She could have just took that baby and pressed him down into the water. But no, she heard that baby cry and she looked at that baby and she had pity. Even for Miriam to approach that woman 
and suggest what she suggested was going against the king. But she was uniquely positioned. The midwives were uniquely positioned. Miriam was uniquely positioned. Jochebed was uniquely positioned. We all need to recognize where I am is where God has called me to be, and he will use me right in that place. You can come up, worship team. Again, what was Egypt trying to do? He was trying to kill their hope. He was trying to rob them of their promise. They had a great force, and they had demonic activity behind what they were doing. But that's not bigger than how God has positioned his people, what God has planned, the desires that God has to fulfill his promise. He will always bring about his promise. And he uses his people, men and women, that he has positioned to be the guardians of that promise, to be the guardians of that hope. And one thing that we know for us, just like Moses was used as a deliverer in that situation to set up and show Christ in the Old Testament with the Passover, the blood of the lamb over the doorposts. In the same way, us being guardians of a promise, as God's people, we know that he has perfectly fulfilled his promise in Jesus Christ. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercies, he has caused us to be born again in a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the test that so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through, it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That is our hope. Do you have that hope? Do you know him because this world tries to distinguish your hope it tries to rob you of God's promise it will tell you that he doesn't see your tears he's not acquainted with your pain and he doesn't care but he does he sees 
and he knows, and he knows what's going on in each and every one of our hearts. Those that have trusted him as savior and those that not yet know him. If you are in this place or if you're online and you haven't repented, recognize Jesus as the one who pays the price for our sins. Anyone that calls themselves a Christian, they don't call themselves perfect. They call themselves sinners saved by grace. We're all sinners. The question is, are you saved by grace? Have you accepted the gift of salvation? Have you decided to die to yourself and to live for Christ and accept the free gift of salvation, what he has purchased on the cross in his death and then his resurrection? If you're a mother, if you're a father, if you're a child, whoever you are, God may be speaking to you this day. And if he is, I would pray that you would repent, look to him, and accept Jesus as your savior. For the rest of us, recognize the unique position God has put you in. Male, female, young, old, black, white, rich, poor. He's positioned each one of us and just in that space, just like the midwives, imagine the midwives, they've watched child after child be drowned. And there was nothing that they could really do about it. They probably even had a mindset that even our resistance is futile. Look what's going on. But they couldn't kill God's promise. That's the same thing for us. We may have struggles. We may have trials. We see these different things. But God is on the throne. And his will will always be done. The question is, are we going to walk in his will? When the things he's called us to, are we going to stand up to power because we fear God more than we fear man? Are we going to have compassion in our time that we need compassion? Are we going to use our ingenuity in the things that God has put us when a situation comes up? Are we going to be stand up strong in faith when it's called for it? That's what we have to ask ourselves. All of that can only come from God who strengthens us, gives us what we need as we go through this life and these various trials as we read in first Peter. Let's pray family. Father, we thank you. We thank you for a story in your word, Lord, that helps us to see how you uniquely position each and every one of us, women, men, children, and how your will will be done. How from the beginning, before these things even started, you knew the end result. 
You knew what you were going to accomplish, not only in that story, in my story, in your story. You're doing a work in each one of us, Lord. And even when we feel like we're in a hopeless, helpless situation, we can't allow those feelings to dictate what is true. Your word is truth, Lord. You said that you're working these things out. You said these trials and things that we go through, you have purpose behind them. You said we're going to spend eternity with you as your children, Lord. So help us to stand, Lord. Help us to embrace the position that you've given us and what you've called us to do. Encourage us to say yes even when we get afraid, Lord. Even when we're confused, Lord, give us clarity. Open doors, Lord. Open the doors of our hearts, Father, that we may have closed off to you. We want to fully present ourselves to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for even this story and the special way that you use women, Lord. We pray a blessing, Lord, over every mother here, over every woman here that has nurtured, provided, and protected that may not even have children of their own loins. They could still be mothers, Lord. We pray over the potential mothers here, Lord, that you would continue to build them into the godly women you've called them to be. We thank you, Lord, that whether a woman here has children or doesn't, whether she has grandchildren and great-grandchildren, that you still have positioned them uniquely. You're doing something in their lives, Lord. Pray for the men here, Lord, that we would honor and appreciate the women that you've placed in our lives, whether they be friends, neighbors, Lord, daughters, mothers, wives, siblings, Lord. That even as siblings in the Lord, that we would see the work that you're doing in each one, Lord. We would honor and treasure and build that, Lord. It's a community of believers. Thank you for what you've done this day. Continue to have your way in our hearts. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.